Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. There were days where we thought we wouldn't make it out, but we stuck it out. Today's our day. You've come to the right place. Today's our day. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Once a cheater, always a cheater. I'm sure you've heard that expression. Maybe you've even said it to yourself or someone you know who's been cheated on. You may even hold true to the idea that cheating is the one thing that would end your marriage forever. After all, there's no coming back from that. Or is there? That's what I'm going to be talking about today with my guest, marriage therapist, author, and the host of the Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall podcast. So, Andrew, thanks for coming on the show and talking about this very, very challenging topic. And you're the author of the best-selling book, Why Did I Cheat? Help Your Partner and Yourself Recover from Your Affair. So how do you address the widely held belief that infidelity is the end? Well, I think there's no right or wrong way to approach infidelity. Every couple is different and every infidelity is different. So this idea that there's one size fits all is, I think, uh, a load of old rubbish. But (laughs) there are some people that it is a deal breaker and that's it. And that's fine. Um, actually, those people don't really need books. Um, they wave goodbye. Uh-huh. But um, the problem is, if you love your partner and you want to continue the relationship or at least look into the possibility of continuing the relationship, then you do need help. And what I always say is your old marriage has ended the deal that you thought you had, the relationship you thought you had, actually isn't there anymore. Uh-huh. And that's probably just as well, because if it's ended in infidelity, there's probably some things that need to change. Uh-huh. The big question is, can you have a new relationship together? And that is um, can be um, a really positive journey. Um, I often find that the couples that leave me the happiest are the couples who arrived in the most crisis, the ones who had the infidelity. Because after infidelity, you are prepared to go through the questions that you previously didn't particularly want to go through. You know, how to deal with the fact that she earns more than him or he doesn't like her mother. You know, most couples tiptoe around the sort of, you know, the really nasty issues Mm -hmm. but once you've got infidelity you sort of realize you've got to go right down to the bones and sort everything out and so it's difficult but the rewards are huge yes and it's you know i tell people yeah fix the stuff before infidelity because infidelity changes the you know changes the dynamic but are there characteristics uh or types of intimacy i mean types of infidelity because because there are different kinds of infidelity um, that can set a couple up to make the decision to try to see what's possible. I mean, are, are, are there anything that you, is there anything that you've noticed about these couples? 
Well, I think the big one is, do you have children or not? Because starting again, if you don't have children or you're not actually married um, and you're fairly young, let's say 25, you discover your partner is cheating and you're not married with them, um, I would say, you know, goodbye. Uh But actually, if you've got children that you're committed, your lives are entangled with each other, um, I think it's worth having a really good look. I, I talk about the stages you go through. Um, the first one is shock. You just can't believe that it's true. Right. Um, and some people decide to leave at the shock. And the problem with leaving straight away is you're going to miss out all sorts of important information that you might actually want to know. Uh, you need really to go on to the second phase, which is intense questioning, where you ask them all these questions like, you know, what happened and why. I mean, you will ask the question why. You won't get a good answer. The type of answer you'll get will end up sounding like it's blaming you. Mm-hmm. Um The question why is a really interesting question, but it's one that's possibly better to ask a lot further down the the journey. Uh But um, I'll explain when the the right time to ask that question is. But, you know, it's human nature. You want to know why. And they'll say, because our relationship is a problem and, you know, Uh I'm not happy and you know, it's all going to be very blame, blame, blame. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to have some sense of what's been going on. And then you can make a decision. Um, You know, do you really want to to go through with this or not? I mean, some people make the decision far too early. And often it is, I knew right at the beginning that I was going to stay. Well, you don't know all the information. You know, so often, and this is one of the the great problems and is that the information comes out in dribs and drabs. It's not a case of um, let me sit down and let me take you through it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's material often that the person who's been unfaithful is so ashamed of, they hold back. And sometimes it's really big information like um, my girlfriend is pregnant You know, that's an entirely different kind of scenario um, from, you know, we had a a few drinks together, we got drunk, we had sex on five or six occasions. Right. So what steps do need to be taken to move through the pain? Because it is so devastating to find out. And, you know, and, and and I hear what you're saying about you people sometimes make this decision too early because the pain is just so overwhelming. But what steps can can be taken to help a couple move through the pain so that they can actually rebuild the relationship? Mm, How do you deal with pain? (laughs) Um, That is such a huge question. And I would say generally we have to accept that this is painful. We have to have those feelings because if we try and avoid them, we run away from them by... Uh, for example, trying to make your partner feel better. Right. Um, so let's say, let's say you're the person who's had no, had an affair. You try and make them feel better by minimizing what happens. Right. Well, it might make them feel better for 30 seconds, but when they discover that you are hmm, only telling 50% of the truth, um, then it's going to be doubly painful a little bit further down. You're going to be feeling huge amounts of shame. Um, and shame is a very difficult emotion. Mm-hmm. But trying to 
cover it up, run away from it, is just going to create more problems later on. So I sort of say you just have to do whatever gets you through the night in the first couple of couple of weeks. And it possibly means talking and talking and talking until four o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, and there's a certain amount of catharsis of talking at four o'clock through to four o'clock in the morning. It's painful, it's difficult, but my God, for the first time in years, you're actually being truthful and honest with each other. Um, and that is the beginning of a potentially new relationship. So if you can run towards the pain rather than run away from it, you will have actually been changing everything you've been doing in your relationship up to now. Because most times people get into infidelity because they've been avoiding a problem. You know, it's not very pleasant if, you know, let's say we were in a relationship and, you know, you're doing something that drives me up the wall, you know. <laughs> and I don't tell you because... Well, you know, I don't like the moods you get into when I tell you these things. So, right. you know, I'll just suppress that. And, you know, I'm a big boy. I can cope with this. And you think you can cope with it and you do. And then suddenly you can't cope with it anymore. And um, we're into a really deep problem. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, one of the things that I tell my clients is, you know, you can't avoid conflict or disagreement. You can only postpone it. And the longer you postpone it, the worse it becomes because it does make your relationship vulnerable to influences from the outside, right? If I'm unhappy in my relationship and, and somebody comes along and makes me feel good, then, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I've, I've been walking through a desert and somebody finally gives me water. Of course, I'm going to go to where the water is, even though it's going to create a longer term, a longer term problem. Um, so but there's a problem. There's a problem that's more insidious than that, um, because there is a way of dealing with um, conflict without mm-hmm. actually having the conflict, which is to intellectualize the problem away that you will say well you know it's not such a big problem um you know i'm i'm going to be the better person and you sort of switch your feelings off you switch off the anger you switch off the bits that you don't like about yourself and the problem is we can't choose which feelings we switch off. We end up switching off all our feelings. Yep. So you end up becoming like flatmates. And that's the other book that I've written. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Yeah, so you that. get into that situation. <laughs> you know, we're best friends, but there's no passion between the two of us because, you know, you don't make me angry and you don't make me feel very much love you know you're just a a nice person that i share the flat with or at least that's how you feel or this is one that happens a lot in the i love you but i'm not in love with you situation we are the best parents in the world Mm -hmm. um and uh, we have great family time together but once the children have gone to bed there's sort of no connection or intimacy between the two of us so yes you can avoid conflict but what you're doing is you're storing yourself up for what for a lot of people is the foundation for infidelity. So if you don't sort out the I love you, but I'm not in love with you scenario, mm-hmm. that's when it moves on to infidelity. And in fact, that's how I got into writing about infidelity, because I wrote I love you, but I'm not in love with you, which was translated into 60 languages all over the world. <laughs> and 
um, the people who came to me were not just people who were in I love you, but I'm not in love with you. These were at least the honest people who said, look, I've fallen out of love with you and I think we should end the relationship. And the other person is saying, but let's try and save the relationship. Mm-hmm. That is a, a huge amount of honesty. Right. But there are other people who feel I love you, but I'm not in love with you. They don't tell their partner. They just grit their teeth and get on with it. And then they fall in love with somebody else right. because... Mm-hmm. As you say, um, humans are not built for living in deserts. Right. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Leslie Dorries, and I'm having a powerful discussion about recovering from infidelity with fellow marriage therapist, author, and podcast host, Andrew G. Marshall. The pain of infidelity is both deep and wide. It is devastating, but it doesn't have to be forever. It is possible to not only recover from it, but actually rebuild your relationship from its ashes. I know because I've had the privilege of helping couples do just that. It's an amazing and inspiring process, though it is not an easy one. And if you have been impacted by infidelity, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and contact me. You can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching N as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com, or by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And I want to get back to this com- this important conversation about infidelity and how to move through it. And so, Andrew, why is it necessary to address both the immediate crisis and the underlying problems that caused the affair in the first place. Okay, so I have a, a formula for what, what, why do people have affairs? Mm-hmm. And what I say is it's problem plus poor communication plus temptation equals an affair. Mm-hmm. So the problem could actually be a problem that the person who's having the affair has got. So, mm-hmm. for example... Um, I'm, uh, this, this problem hasn't caused me, um, to be unfaithful, but it has turned my life upside down. Um, my second parent died. I'm of the age where now both of my parents have died. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of thought I would be prepared for it because number one, um, I'd already lost one parent. Mm-hmm. And number two, I'm a marital therapist. And I know all about infidelity, not infidelity. I know all about um, bereavement and right. loss and grief. Mm-hmm. But it has hit me completely and utterly for six. Now, fortunately, I can talk to my partner about this and we can work through all of the material that it's throwing up. Mm-hmm. But if you can't, there is poor communication between the two of you. The problems get worse and worse. Then we have the temptation. Mm-hmm. So effectively, if my situation had caused an affair, we'd have to be dealing not just with the affair, but I would have to be looking at why my father's death has hit me so profoundly. And mm-hmm. it's made me think about, you know, my own mortality so deeply. So, you know, some of it could be individual work. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of it can be couple work. There can be some of the problems can be long-term couple issues as well. 
Um, so, you know, you can just talk about the affair till the cows come home. But I have an, a, a situation uh, or a stage that I talk about in my other book, which is How Can I Ever Trust You Again, mm-hmm. which is for the people who've discovered the infidelity. Absolutely. Um, where after the stage you've made the decision, there then tends to come attempted normality where we try and pretend now we've we're going to put this all behind us, but without actually doing the deep work. Mm-hmm. And then all the bodies come up to the surface. Um, now, these can be shared bodies. They can be individual bodies. You know, it could be if you and I were in a relationship, it could be things about your past. It could be, you know, my problems with my father dying could be throwing up issues about your father as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um Everything that has to come up to the surface that hasn't um, will come up to the surface. Now, as a marital therapist, I say, hurrah, let's get the bodies all up. Right. Not, <laughs> not everybody's so keen on uh, on getting the skeletons out of the cupboard. Nope. Um, but, but generally, skeletons are better out of the cupboard rather than haunting you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is this is one of the things that, you know, those of us who, who are in the business and, and have actually worked with couples in this, you know, we see this as great. Let's, let's get this where it should have been in the first place. But human beings, like all animals, it's like, I just want to run away from pain. I don't want to hurt. I want to feel good. And in a way, that's what an affair is, is that I'm not dealing with this pile of stuff over here. I'm just going to be in this new, happy, everything is wonderful phase, which is why many relationships that start out as affairs don't last because we've got this idealized thing going on over here that's separate from the rest of our lives. And then we try to make a relationship here and then all the relationship stuff is just going to show up in this new relationship. So we really haven't solved the problem. But, you know, it is it is very challenging to un- to unpack these things. And so what are some of the common traps couples face during this process that gets in the way of their recovery and, and what can they do to avoid them? Right. Well, I mean, there are m- many of them. Um, I think the, the one that I find is the most helpful for people, and this is something that I cover in the new course that I'm offering. I'll speak more about that at the end of the podcast, um, is something called the drama triangle. Are you uh, aware of the drama triangle? Uh, I probably, but, but explain it again. Right. So um, triangles would be very familiar when you're okay. dealing with infidelity, um, but you can have the triangle with just the two of you. The three positions on the triangle are the victim, the rescuer, and the persecutor. Mm. And... So, um, and with a, with a triangle, they're incredibly fixed. You, it's very difficult to break the triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, what tends to happen is people go round the triangle. So let's say, for example, back to my imagined person who had an affair because their father had died and they didn't mm-hmm. deal with it particularly well. So they feel like the victim. You know, I've been left by my father. Life is horrible. Uh, my wife doesn't understand me and my life is terrible. Yeah. So my wife is now in the persecutor position and uh, um, fancy piece um, <laughs> is coming along to rescue me. 
Right. So uh, that um, uh, the wife, when she discovers, she feels that um, she is the victim. Um, mm-hmm. So we could actually start fighting each other for the victim place. But either Miss Fancy Pants or me myself or the man is now in the persecutor position. But she wants him to go into the rescuer position. And, you know, if I've just told uh, if you've just told your wife um, that uh, you've had an affair and she's bawling with tears, you are going to want to try and rescue her. Um, You can't you can't rescue somebody because actually rescuing them leaves them in the victim place. And that's not a good place to be. So let's imagine that Miss Fancy Pants has disappeared. But, um, uh, you know, from your pain, if you are the person who has discovered the infidelity, you're going to say some pretty terrible things. things. Yep. <laughs> yep. You're going to, you're going to, you know, the dog that's cornered bites. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to bite. So you're going to go into that place. Um, you can begin to see how within five minutes it's perfectly possible to go all around the triangle two or three times right um and people always think the answer to breaking this particular triangle is somebody's got to go into the rescue position and rescue everybody Hmm. well the problem is once you're in the rescue place um you are forgetting all about your own needs right so you can sometimes you can then immediately either get really angry with people because I'm doing all this rescuing, and, right. you know, and how is it being received? And now I'm really angry with you because I've researched 700 websites and here's 50 podcasts to listen to and <laughs> you don't want to listen to any of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I now lose my temper and I'm over in the persecutor place. Um, or, you know, I feel like a, a victim because, again, because I've done all of these things and, you know, I'm not appreciated. So going into the rescuer place is not going to work. Right. So what I'm trying to do in particular with the person who has had the affair is get them to move into the winner's triangle. Now, in the drama triangle, every position is dreadful. Right. But in the winner's triangle, um, every one of them is good. So it doesn't really matter if you move all around them. And the difference between the winner's triangle and the drama triangle um, is in the drama triangle, it's rescuing. And on that particular corner in the winner's triangle, there is caring. Uh So what do you think is the difference between rescuing and caring? Yeah, because res- cause caring includes me and rescuing doesn't. I mean, you know, and, and I'm not responsible, I would, th- would say, as a, as a carer as opposed to a rescuer. And the, the skill that's there is very different as well, which is listening. So right. I will listen to my partner. I won't try and make things better. I will listen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just listen and then, and then, um, tell them where they're why they're wrong i will really stay stay there i won't defend myself i will listen and i will do another skill i teach in my in my course which is reflecting back so um so you say you're really upset because me and miss fancy pants went to the restaurant that you and i went to on valentine's day last year and you feel it robbed me of my of that special time. Mm-hmm. 
that would be an example of of um li- of active listening um you know you would ask potentially the three most loving w- words in the english language which are not i love you but tell me more tell me more you know, even though it's things that's going to upset me to actually say tell me more and be prepared to listen to more is a very loving thing to do um we're back to this whole idea of we're not going to run away from pain we're actually going to walk towards it we're right. going to put both of our feet firmly on the ground and we don't have to solve it we just have to listen we have to be curious and i love that because that is such an incredible thing we don't have to solve it because that's the whole thing when when you know our partners are hurting and we have some ownership in 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 that that most of us don't want most of us don't want to acknowledge it or feel that it's like you just stop hurting over there i mean and this is one of the things that i have found in working um with couples in this situation is that usually the person who stepped outside of the relationship does you know a lot of times they don't want to talk about it not one because they're ashamed of it but two they don't want to cause any more pain so it's like can we just get over this and it's like no 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 we can't just get over it we have to go through it and that's the thing that i think is so scary for most couples you know it's like how do i sit here in my pain and also in my partner's pain. Yeah, and it, that that is incredibly difficult. But if actually you're telling yourself is all I have to do is listen mm-hmm. and to be curious, that is something that is actually really possible. Um you're just going to deal with it today. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're in crisis the best way to deal with crisis is we're not really going to think any further than this weekend right. um you know we might plan something about what's happening this weekend but really we just need to get through the next few days mm-hmm. it's if we focus too much on the future how on earth are we ever going to get over this i begin to feel overwhelmed can mm-hmm. i make it to the weekend yes mm-hmm. and the pressure levels come down um and one of the reasons why i started my podcast is because um what i discovered with to actually cope with infidelity you sort of really need to challenge everything in your life you need uh-huh. to think about such questions as what does make my life meaningful because um how do i cope with pain mm. these sort of deep fundamental questions um we've sort of often we're so busy just getting through life that we don't actually ask the deep philosophical questions um and actually if you began to know some of those deep philosophical um topics you are better able to cope with the everyday pain because i mean have you ever met somebody who hasn't experienced pain um no. no, I mean only. Yeah, I, I say not even an infant. Infants experience pain, but yeah, it's like no, there's no, you know. But we, but we don't want to deal with that. It's like you know, it's like, but that's part of what life is about. Is how do we make it through those times that are really hard? And to me, that's one of the benefits of a good relationship. Is I've got I've, somebody's got my back. I'm not walking through this by myself. And I think that's one of the things 
that infidelity challenges. It's like, wait, wait a minute, I thought you had my back and now I feel like I'm by myself. Well, not only have you not got my back, but you've put a target on my back and you're shooting at me. Right. <laughs> so if you are in this position, um, you are going to need support and you need to choose very wisely your support. Um, mm -hmm. because, um, unfortunately, friends have an agenda. Mm -hmm. And family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And family have an agenda too. Um, and your family want you to get you through this pain as quickly as possible. So they're going to be suggesting the easiest escape route. Mm -hmm. And the easiest escape route is not necessarily the one where you're going to learn the most. Um, you know, it's either they're going to say, you know, dump the cheater, or right. they're going to say, but if you really love him, you'll forgive him. Um, and th that life is more complicated than that. Um, and we can, we can sit in the chaos and the pain for a bit longer. And there's probably a third way beyond those two. Um, neither of which were going to work because, um, uh, suppressing the problems is what got you there in the first place. Um, and just leaving without actually learning anything. Um, just tends to push the problem further down the line. Right. Um, I had a very good friend whose um, partner um, in his 50s, um, his partner died very sadly of cancer. And a couple of years later, he went back out dating. Mm -hmm. And who did he actually meet? Um, obviously, divorcees right. and the vast majority of them spent their time talking about their ex-husband um and they were worried that about him that he would be like their ex-husband right. so they just took the problems from one relationship into potentially the next relationship um so we yep. might think that we're moving on but we've probably got a whole load of material with us right. so people often say to me you know can this relationship be saved? And I always say, well, whether we save it or not, you're going to learn a huge amount of stuff that's going to be really useful because um, my main job is to teach you to communicate better. And mm -hmm. if you've got children, um, you're still going to be able to need to communicate better. In fact, you're going to have to communicate even, even better when you're separated. Because if you're fighting when you're in the same kitchen, just imagine how complicated it is when you're fighting from different kitchens. Right. Um, so these skills are never wasted. Um, and you can use them in the next relationship. Or perhaps you might find a way to move forward together. And so, you know, I really appreciate this input, and I know you have this new program. So would you be willing to share with people where they can find you, the program, how they can move forward? Because it really is about doing our own work and then bringing that into our relationship, which I know a lot of people don't understand or don't want to do. But can you share, please, Andrew? Yeah, and I can understand, you know, he had the affair and now you've got to do all this work. It does right. life doesn't seem fair. Nope. But the, who's going to be the beneficiary of you doing work? You. Mm -hmm. So um anyway, so um I have a website which is um andrewgmarshall.com um and on that you'll find my best relationship tools um which is a video course and now you can do this either with your partner on your own i go through 
all my basic tools that after this is going to shock you, you've probably been at this as long as I have. Um, it's almost 40 years. Next year, I will have been doing this for 40 years. I mean, that's a long time. Um, yeah, I, I, I used to work in the same place and I was convinced I sometimes met the children of people that I'd, <laughs> I'd worked with 20 years before. Um, and so the things like, for example, the winner's triangle, um, how it works, how the skills triangle that will get you into the winner's triangle, all of that is explained. Um, these are really useful things for all couples. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have infidelity, you need them even more. Right. And then I have my podcast, which is The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. And each week I will look at a different topic. So um, it could be boundaries. It could be spicing up your sex life. Um, it could be um, finding your fire, um, which is you know, finding your power again after you've lost it through um, the crisis of infidelity. Um, so that I'm, I very seldom talk directly about infidelity. What mm-hmm. I'm talking about is the human condition. And this is the thing that I love about people that are on the recovery journey from infidelity is that they are truth seekers Mm-hmm. And the truths and the great wisdom is buried in lots and lots of different places. So um, I find that interviewing a wide range of uh, philosophers, therapists, analysts, um, scientists gives new perspectives. And sometimes the, I learn the most from the people I least expect to learn from because one of the things you'll hear if you listen to the podcast is you'll hear me learning things as I'm going along. And I think I never saw, I never saw that before. And, um, it's, it's a wonderful journey. Um, I know you don't want to be on it, but, um, that it's much better to be conscious and growing than unconscious and, you know, basically, um, having an okay kind of life or, often even a life of quiet desperation right so thank you so much and i want you please go to his please go to his website andrewgmarshall.com because cheating doesn't just happen at least not in most cases it's a series of decisions not a one-time lapse and it's always better to address the underlying concerns in the relationship no matter how difficult than deal with the life-altering impact of infidelity But even if the worst does happen, it doesn't necessarily have to mean the end. And I'm hoping that you've taken something very powerful away from today's show. And I hope that you will continue to listen. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.